Hello, hello, hello. It's James Christopher and we're back for another uh, week of NBN Weekly Recap Podcast. Uh, welcome. I'm here with Cameron Peters once again. Hello. I am an NBN politics reporter who is making a surprise guest appearance, so <laughs> I will just be helping James with today's episode. Yeah. Last week he, he uh, enjoyed it and he came begging back for more, so uh, let's dive right in. Um, Starting off with probably the biggest news in U.S. politics this week, um, William Barr uh, and his testimony before the Judiciary Committee um, and sort of just the tumult around the Mueller letter that we that we discovered um, that Mueller sent to Barr. Um, so essentially, Attorney General William Barr testified for, was it House or Senate? Senate. Senate Judiciary Committee um, about uh, the Mueller report and about um, sort of some of the the te- uh, testaments that he'd previously made about his knowledge um, and what he thought that Mueller knew. Um, and we had disco- we now discovered that Mueller actually sent him a letter um, saying that his four-page summary of the Mueller report was actually inaccurate and um, or, actu- or in- uh, misrepresented Mueller's conclusions in the report. Um, basically, you know, the fact that he said it exonerated the president, Mueller disagreed with that representation. So they questioned him about that. There were a few fiery exchanges. Kamala Harris was definitely heavily involved. Um, Diane Feinstein, her, Senator Hirono, um, and so yeah, uh, this is um, uh, the Pelosi now is now uh, is calling for um, Attorney General Barr to resign, and she's being being joined by a lot of uh, rank and file Democrats. Um, so and then on the second day of his possible testimony, Barr refused to show um, because. He thought that the formatting of the question questions would be, you know, not kind to what he wanted, and would yeah. he felt a little bit of pressure. So that was going to be, um, yeah, in front of the House and Jerry Nadler's Judiciary Committee, which has been probably more active than the Senate Judiciary in um, all things Trump and Russia so far. Um, so he was objecting to having uh, committee staff question him separately, in addition to the um, the members of the committee, mm-hmm. and yeah, no show. So. We will see if they get um, some subpoenas rolling out soon. Yeah. Should be exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the now the basically the big uh, question is when or whether Robert Mueller himself is going to testify. Um, the Senate was calling for, you know, they want to hear it from the man himself, hear what he thought Barr's report or Barr's summary, um, if, if he thought Barr's summary was fair, if he thought the redactions were fair. Um, and what his ultimate conclusion was and why he refused to sort of come down on either side on obstruction. Um, so we'll see whether that goes through or not. Yeah, that'll be really interesting because I think Lindsey Graham, um, everyone's favorite senator from South Carolina, was not sure if he felt like Mueller should come before the committee and testify. So I believe he's the ranking member or the uh, the chairman now that um, Orrin Hatch is retired so he kind of has final say over that. Um, we'll see what happens to the, that. Yeah. Um, I do think Kennedy of Louisiana, also a Republican, was um, was more favorable toward the possibility of Mueller appearing. So maybe some internal discussion there, and who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like there's two competing narratives. Obviously, the Democrats think that the summary was inaccurate, think that Barr um, essentially lied before Congress previously in one of his testimonies. Um, and I think that there needs to be further investigations, subpoenas, want to hear from Mueller, whereas the Republicans are saying, look, uh, no collusion, no obstruction, we got the report, it's over, let's move on, this has all been a, a hoax, and so 
Um, it's it's really tense right now. Um, can we just also recap what exactly was the claim that uh, that Barr lied to previously to Congress? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, so he said that he didn't know how Mueller felt about his four-page summary. Right. Um, and Democrats are claiming that the Mueller letter pretty clearly proves that he knew that Mueller was not happy with his mm-hmm. four-page summary. Because he had received the, Mueller, the letter yeah. before he testified um, that. Yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons the letter is no, so notable. Um, it's time-stamped, it's in writing, and it's permanent, which is kind of unusual um, mm-hmm. for the DOJ. So... Presumably, Barr knew that Mueller was not a big fan of Barr's four-page summary, and he wanted the executive summaries that his own team compiled released, which we still, I believe, haven't seen. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Democrats are saying Barr lied. Seems like there's some decent evidence for that. Uh, We'll see where that goes. Yeah, Pelosi Um, seems to be spearheading that that effort right now. But... um, all right, moving on, next story of the week. Um, uh, some good news, maybe, for once, uh, the Spanish election. Um, so in Spain this past week, uh, they held parliamentary elections, and um, the Vox party did not win power. Am I correct in, they, that, in so, that? Yes. Yes. So <laughs> what, what happened there, as I understand it, was the Socialist Party, the uh, the... I think they're actually in Spain. They're center left because Spain's politics are kind of shifted compared to the mm-hmm. the U.S. Um, spectrum. But the Socialist Party there won the uh, majority, and they'll be forming a government there. So what could have happened was the center right party could have won and formed a coalition government with Vox, which is a very far right um, populist anti immigration party. Mm-hmm. As it turns think, out, think Tea Party. Uh, probably worse than Tea Party. Think more like. AFD in Germany. Yeah, I mean, um, for Nash, for a U.S. Yeah. analog, but yeah. Um, yeah, but the important part there is the center-right party, which could have formed a coalition with Vox, did not win nearly as many seats as they were hoping. So mm-hmm. Vox did get, I believe, their first seat in the Spanish parliament, which is scary, but they won't be able to do much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, probably on the on the net good news. Yeah, Spain and Spain, you know, is going through a lot of... Um, controversy right now with with Catalonia and the protests and you know shifting power between uh, Barcelona and, and the national parliament. Um, so that's important that they have a stable and you know um, uh, and a, a government that is accountable to the people and that it has their best interest at heart. So very very good news, but um, yeah, definitely a country to keep our eyes on um, as Vox continues to make their campaign and, and gain possibly support. Um, but yeah, for now they've been staved off. Um, next story was, um, Trump's conversation with Putin this week on the, on the phone. Um, he called up his buddy in Russia, um, and basically discussed the idea of the Mueller report and Russian hacking and all of it as a hoax. Um, even though the, basically the one thing that the Mueller report did definitively conclude was that Russia interfered in our elections, hacked um, emails, had a massive propaganda spree um, and campaign. Um, but uh, Trump, as we've seen time and again, it, it prefers to side with Russia on that on that issue um, and <clears throat> is, is allying himself with Putin uh, uh, as opposed to his own intelligence community. Yeah, this is really, really dangerous, honestly, because we're not just getting the standard no collusion line. 
um, which we've been hearing a lot recently with the Mueller report. This is no Russian in involvement at all. He's claiming that all Russian interference in 2016 was a hoax. And we, we flatly know that's not true. But we also know from reporting uh, earlier last week that Trump is really sensitive about that. He wouldn't, or Mick Mulvaney wouldn't let Kirsten Nielsen raise that as an issue with him. So Russia's probably going to try and fuck things up again in... Curse on this. Yeah. Know. Um, <laughs> fuck things up again in 2020. They have no reason not to be involved because it worked in 2016 and there's been basically no repercussions. And yet the President of the United States is going to continue siding with Vladimir Putin over our intelligence community, and that should terrify basically everyone. And if Cameron is saying the F word, we know something's wrong, guys. Please. <laughs> Let's do something about it. Um, and uh, So next story. Um, oh, Facebook uh, <laughs> cracking down this week, um, banning a few uh, extremist thinkers and accounts um, on their platform, including um, right-wing crazy screaming man Alex Jones, a conspiracy theorist um, who is the founder of Infowars and has been subject to a lot of um, a lot of controversy on his social media accounts too because it's you know there's debate over whether or not far right accounts um, can be or should be regulated on social media because people on the right say that that's an unfair um, partisan regulation yeah. uh, platforming exactly. Um, and you know the like Silicon Valley liberal elites are out to get the the um, conservative or out to get conservative thinkers. Um, but you know when right wing thinkers get into the point of that they're so far right that they're claiming conspiracies that are harmful or or you know claiming or um, advocating for you know violence against certain groups or you know white supremacist thought like that. That is, uh, you know, Facebook, at least Facebook has decided that that is something that they can regulate and should regulate. I did just want to talk about this word right-wing or conservative thinkers for a second. That was the phrase <laughs> Trump used when he took to Twitter to protest this. Excuse I believe me, that was my, yesterday. That was, that Sorry, was my not, misuse. Not, <laughs> not going after James here. But thinkers is a pretty strong word. These are not uh, traditional uh, conservative luminaries. Mm -hmm. We have people like Paul Watson, who is an Alec Jones protege and a 9-11 truther. Mm -hmm. We have people like Paul Nalen, who tried to run for Paul Ryan's seat in Wisconsin. Thankfully, he didn't make it out of the primary. But he, as far as I know, is a Holocaust denier. These are some scary, scary, unhinged mm -hmm. people. And if the Republican president of the United States is affiliating them with the mainstream Republican movement, that is interesting. Yeah. No, I, I meant to use conservative thinker in, in the sense that that's what the... the conservatives yeah. or republicans are claiming um but yeah i do think it really gets at an interesting issue about social media's role um and where they draw the line and just the fact that they have so much power now um in terms of regulating you know who gets to say what on these public platforms um we do obviously see that a lot of these people who get banned from the more mainstream sites go on to you know 4chan or the what's the other one called 4chan 8chan uh gab which yeah, is gab, like knockoff yeah. twitter Exactly. They, they, I mean, the, the, there are platforms for them, but um, but yeah, Facebook and Instagram, and uh, they're trying to do a little bit of a better job, especially after scrutiny after you know New Zealand and all these these con these um, tragedies lately. That that you know they're trying to really crack down and, and you know avoid facing too much scrutiny. I should note two things here though. One, isn't the good thing Facebook did? This is just a thing they should have done because these people are in violation of their terms of use. So. 
it's a good thing it happened, but it's not any big thing, any big, bold, brave thing that Facebook just did. And this isn't, doesn't solve it either. YouTube still has um, some much more liberal policies toward who they allow on their platform. Uh, these people do still have more of a voice than arguably they should. And, yeah, it's going to be an ongoing debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we'll see what kind of conservative thinkers that Facebook tries to regulate <laughs> next. Um, so, lastly, um, on the docket is talking about Venezuela this week. Um, Juan Guaido is in what he calls the final stage of his um, campaign to oust Maduro and to take um, power in Venezuela. Um, he's calling for massive protests, and, he call, and he's calling for the military in Venezuela, who Maduro controls, to revolt against Maduro um, and use their position to um, oust him. So, uh, and Juan Guaido, we should note, he is the president of the National Assembly in Venezuela, who he was... does have a valid claim yeah, to... Um, using a constitutional mechanism, he says because Maduro's last election was illegitimate, he has the rightful claim to the presidency. He's been recognized by most of um, uh, most the, interna- yeah, the international yeah. um, political establishment, um, with exceptions like Turkey, Russia, Cuba, I think, mm-hmm. but almost everyone else, most of... Uh, most of Europe, the U.S., um, and a lot of Latin America. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and this comes after, you know, U.S., the, the uh, United States tried to uh, funnel aid into Venezuela, and that was blocked by Maduro's, by Maduro's men. Um, and Guaido uh, is, is, you know, trying to portray this as a humanitarian catastrophe, which it is, um, and... Uh, Maduro is trying to portray it as, you know, foreign intervention, the United States trying to, you know, in, uh, engage in regime change and uh, instigate a coup against him, um, which, I mean, kind of is happening, but, like, the, you know, that their claim is that it's a valid, a valid excuse because he's, you know, destroying the economy of the country and he's leaving people without food and without resources, so... Um, yeah, so the conflict is just escalating this week, and Guaido is, is really pushing hard. But um, the military under Maduro, which Guaido has called for um, re- to rebel, is has not you know done so in on mass, um, and they've actually cracked down on protests in the streets and have opened fire, I believe, in s- certain situations and you know tear gas and all that. Um, yeah, and we should note that in the U.S., everyone's favorite mustached national security advisor, John Bolton, has um, of 5,000 troops to Colombia written on a notepad fame, still has not ruled out a military option, which should be scary to everyone because things don't go well when the U.S. sends troops into Latin America. Um, yeah, so keep an eye on that, and hopefully that doesn't escalate any further. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it for our main stories. Uh, Cameron, anything else this week that you had your eye on? Yeah, I wanted to talk about Yemen a little bit. So this has been going on in the background for a while. It was going on um, before the midterms, too. The U.S. is currently supporting a Saudi-led blockade and bombing campaign in Yemen um, against the Houthi rebels there. And uh, Congress has been trying to stop that for a while now. They recently passed a bipartisan, bicameral bill to end U.S. involvement there, um, invoking the War Powers Act to end Trump's authority to have troops there. Trump vetoed that, and then this week, the Senate's attempt at a veto override just failed. So that bill is dead. Uh, The U.S. will continue to be involved in Yemen, and that's worth noting because Yemen is a massive, massive humanitarian disaster right now, and it's 
probably going to get worse. Mm -hmm. The UN says last I checked there's something like 4 million people in pre-famine conditions there. Um, these are a disease uh, outbreak. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, that was Trump's first veto, correct? Was second was veto. Second. He vetoed the bill to uh, reverse national emergency declaration. So, oh, right. Okay. Second veto. Uh, let's see. We've got some stats here. So by the end of this year, 2019, according to a foreign policy journalist, we're going to have 233,000 people who have died in Yemen. And that's 140,000 children under the age of five. So this is disproportionately affecting women, children, um, this, this isn't, this policy isn't targeting Houthi rebels, the armed, um, fighters in Yemen. This is killing innocents by the score. And right now the U S is kind of complicit in it. It's really well, horrifying and deserves mm -hmm. a lot more attention than it's getting. Yeah. And that exact reason is why it was a bipartisan effort and why they passed the bill and Trump completely vetoed yeah. it. Um, so also part of a long running thread of, uh, Congress and specifically the Senate trying to take some more control over U.S. foreign policy with uh, middling success, to say the least. <laughs> the presidency but, saying, nope, no yeah. thanks. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's an awful situation there right now. Um, uh, I also wanted to mention relatedly in foreign policy the uh, what was going on in Libya. Um, not sure exactly this week, but, in the, but recently in the past week or two, um, uh, basically Trump, President Trump called... Um, uh, or Libyan warlord. Yeah, Libyan warlord uh, Haftar um, and declared his support for him, uh, which is goes contrary to the UN-backed government in Libya um, that the U.S. had previously uh, Im implicitly supported um, through the international community's support. Um, and he and Trump um, unilaterally declared his support for the warlord opposition. So, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of foreign policy, just complete snafus going on right now in the Trump uh, administration. Yeah, the Middle East uh, along with Latin America is really another area you'd think we would have learned not to meddle with by now, mm -hmm. but apparently not, so mm -hmm. keep an eye on that. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about this week was earlier this week we uh, received a video from uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who is the leader of ISIS. Um, we haven't heard from him or seen him in five years, um, but he just released a video um, about... Uh, basically what, what he's been doing and um, uh, sort of propaganda for ISIS. He also released then after the video uh, audio attachment about the Sri Lanka um, incident and sort of the um, – he didn't really talk about retaliation for New Zealand, but he talked about um, the connections ISIS had and um, religious uh, attacks um, in Sri Lanka. And so this is just, I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, the U.S. intelligence community will try and trace the video and try and do as much work they can there, but, um, uh, but it, it's going to be hard to, you know, get much evidence from that. Um, but essentially, it's just showing that, you know, that ISIS is um, still prominent and, but also feels the need to get out there and start doing more, you know, proactive propaganda efforts, proactive recruitment, showing that they're still strong and showing that. Um, even after they've lost the caliphate, that they're going to return to their older previous tactics of terrorism, um, you know, more guerrilla-style terrorism and suicide bombing, and, um, you know, that they're still a prominent force. So, um, yeah, big, big news in the intelligence community this week. Anything else for you, Cameron? I mean, there are a million things that happened <laughs> this week, but we don't have time to talk about all of them. So, yeah, I think that about covers it. Um, Check right. out the, the rest of NBN's reporting on the website. Yeah. Um, we've got some, some more there. And tune back in next week. Yeah, and, and read the NBN Weekly Recap um, article on, online. 
All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Cameron. Absolutely. Um, have a good week, guys. See you later. See you.